This is episode 14 of The Janet Lewis Show. In the podcast, I will be talking with people who have tapped into what they love, are living the life they imagined, or maybe they didn't imagine it, but have become super successful at what they're doing. They've been able to figure out what gives them energy or makes them happy and turn it into a business where they found a career that allows them to shine. We're going to talk about their life story, how they got to where they are, and what has influenced their journey. Today, we're talking with Shauna Arnott, founder of Leverage Events, founder and producer of Haste and Hustle, and most recently, co-founder and producer of Listen In. Leverage Events creates unforgettable experiences for their corporate clients that grow their brand and deepen human connections. Haste and Hustle is an annual conference that was created to serve and support entrepreneurs. Listen In is a conference for enterprise-level marketing teams looking to better understand and capitalize on the world of podcasting. This lady has a lot on her plate, but she is one determined and passionate person. Shauna is able to take a big idea and bring it to life. She has created some amazing experiences and has worked with some of the biggest names out there to date. The first year of Haste and Hustle featured Gary Vee as the keynote speaker. And in 2020, it is Richard Branson. Shauna is able to capture the attention of these big names and get them involved in her vision. She's super passionate about helping others, and I'm so excited to hear about her journey. Um, So Shauna, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Yeah, I can't wait. (laughs) I can't wait. Um, So I originally heard of Shauna because I attended the first Hasten Hustle event in Toronto. And during the event, she told part of her story of building this amazing experience. And I was impressed with her attitude and drive. She took on a major project and a lot of risk, but she made it happen. And then recently, I got to meet Shauna at The Collective, which is an event for female entrepreneurs. Shauna and I chatted for about 20 to 30 minutes, and I loved her story. uh, And I thought she'd be great uh, for the podcast. She's so down to earth and just tells it like it is. So Shauna... I'm like, I'm really excited about this. I can't wait. Um, why don't we um, start off with a bit of your history? Like, where did you grow up? What was it like? What were you passionate about as a young girl? And then we can move into how you discovered your love for creating these unique experiences. Sure. So I grew up right here in Grimsby, Ontario. Um, it's just a small town south of Toronto and right on the, the lake, Lake Ontario. And um, my childhood was really amazing, actually. I um, um, had my, my brothers and sisters, and we just, I don't know, it was very simple. Like, we just had a very um, simple, happy life. We, you know, went to birthday parties and school, and we fought with each other, and we <laughs> you know, had fun with each other. You know, we went camping every summer. We would go to Florida. Like, it was a very traditional, you know, life in Canada and um, I was surrounded by people who loved me and I loved them and we went you know we were very involved in our local church and we just I don't know we just had simple pleasures and um, you know we uh, uh, my extended family is all in farming so we were very involved in the grape and wine industry early on um, not me really I was just sort of running around in the fields but <laughs> um, but you know I was definitely a tomboy my my two older sisters are significantly older than me so I had my brother who's three years younger than me and um, and his friends that I associated with a lot and uh, some close girlfriends as well 
but I just, uh, you know, we spent our days building forts and picking peaches and dressing, playing dress up and making up plays. And, um, you know, we always tried to figure out um, business ideas. Oh, really? So, oh, yeah. So, like, one of my first businesses when I was a kid was um, we would dress up as clowns. <laughs> And I played the trombone, and we would put rollerblades on, and um, my friend played the violin, and we would we would stand on the on the street and offer a free concert. <laughs> Are you serious? Not free, sorry, concerts for a dollar. <laughs> anyway, profit first. Yeah, profit first. <laughs> you learned that at a very young age, yeah. and it was so funny because like people would stop. And just give us money because they liked our idea. And not because they could stay and listen to our, our noise. <laughs> <laughs> and then we started sort of differentiating and like offering lemonade and, you know, that sort of thing. And then we also did things like, you know, we would um, mope, or, um, mope people's lawns and shovel snow. And, and, um, and then I started getting into, my brother had thousands of baseball and hockey cards, you know, the sports cards. Yeah. And um, so I started doing, trading those. I got really into it. And I, I loved all the numbers. I'm a bit of a numbers nut. So I loved like tracking all the batting averages. And I would, I would organize all these cards all the time. And, and, I, and I knew all the stats on all the players. And I knew the values of each card. And, you know, we would go to all these shows. Like I, I was kind of a nerd that way. Were you like a little local shark with baseball cards or what? <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> I remember one of my businesses got shut down one time at school because we weren't allowed to sell <laughs> on school property. We were making like gimp bracelets and selling them to the younger grades. <laughs> and you got in trouble for it? Yeah, we got shut down. <laughs> They're like, you can't do that here. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you've always kind of like, was it, was it the making of something and creating it or was it the making the money that like, what was the driver there? I don't know. I mean, age? I think we were just kids having fun and, you know, it sort of would start out as, you know, let's, let's, you know, we wanted something of course. So usually it started out, well, how do we get it? Well, we need to make money. So how are we going to make money? What can we do as kids? And I think we just, I knew early on that we had to be creative about it. You know, you can't just have a lemonade stand like everyone else you have to have a, <laughs> a trombone concert in there and dress up as you know like it was just I don't know I just always knew that I had to add value <laughs> yeah. it needs to be more yeah and um so we and differentiate ourselves so so, so when that. you um so you're young in elementary school you're doing that obviously like did you continue that stuff through high school or did you ever have any traditional type of jobs oh yeah I um I think more so in high school I kind of went back to traditional things so I yeah I worked at our local tennis club um I worked at the local um photography studio and it was like my job to print off all the town's photos you know well that would be interesting well let me tell you (laughs) (laughs) I know a few secrets or two (laughs) yeah because you have to look at everyone's pictures to make sure it looks good quality yeah 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 because you have to adjust all the settings and the funny thing is is that I was always blown away by what people were not ashamed to let me see. <laughs> and I think in some ways I was underage. I'm like, this is even legal, you know? <laughs> You're like, this is weird. Yeah, some of it was weird, but most of it was just... But it was actually a little bit funny because you actually... I got to know, like, so this one guy would come in every week and drop off his... Like, he would take, like, a roll of film a week, essentially, with his kids. 
And so I kind of like got to follow his life or not his life, oh, but his family's life. Yeah. Right? And so then like, I remember like a few years later after I'd, you know, been done working there and, you know, I ran into them in the, on a hike and I didn't ever know his family, just him. And I didn't know him either. I just, but he recognized me and he just said, hello. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, like I remember all your kids' birthday parties for the first few years. I knew all their names. I knew like where they were born, where they'd gone on vacation. And it was like a little like voyeuristic. Yeah, a little weird. <laughs> yeah. But it was, I mean, it was just sort of, you know, nothing weird. And I mean, there was the odd person who even now I run into them and I'm like, I remember your weird pictures. Yeah, it's funny when you think like back in the day when you had to send in photos and mm-hmm. someone would be looking at all mm-hmm. of them, right? Exactly. Now everyone just puts on social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> everyone can look. The good ones, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. So you worked um, at the photo store. Yeah. And then what did you do after that? Um, I was a nanny. Oh. Yep, for a couple of years. And that was so much fun. And then I went to school. And uh, I had my son at the same time. And um, I went to university. I studied science. As a kid, I was, I think, one of my biggest things about my childhood is I was basically lived outside like I was never we I remember my mom even taking away our tv for like a several years we didn't even have a tv just because she wanted us to be outside yeah we were we were always in bare feet running around and doing dirty things but like having fun right and so I was just like this wild animal I think (laughs) (laughs) no but but you know it's it's funny because you mentioned bare feet and like that's one of the things that a lot of people now in the mind space area are talking about Mm -hmm. is if you're feeling like disconnected, just go outside with bare feet and mm-hmm. go on the grass mm-hmm. or on the dirt. Yeah. And you get connected again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so true. as a kid, if that's what you're doing, it's oh. actually really good. Yeah. I was always in bare feet. And, you know, my mom would have to hose us down before we'd come in the house most days. But the thing is that I kind of carried forward into my adult life because I was really interested in nature and animals and science. I loved science and I loved numbers and all those things. So I ended up studying environmental earth science and geological engineering so that no was, way yeah like that's my background in educationally yeah and um you know I I had my son uh, right before I started university so I was like I need something marketable where I'll get a good job yeah and I had parents in very traditional careers and so they were like pushing me to do something where I'd have a pension and have you know stability and I was like okay yeah I'll do it so I did And that's sort of where I, you know, the path I followed for a few years. And, uh, you know, it was good. It it was, I I, I do love that sort of thing. So you graduated from university and then did you get a job in that field? Yeah, yeah. So And so then who were you working for? Um, so I, I did, um, contract work for De Beers and, um, and for the local university. So I, for, um, some of the professors that, um, uh, through research grants and stuff with NSERC, um, and that was it. And then, yeah, and so I was doing a lot of research stuff. Like, it wasn't a lot of in the field, which is what I really wanted. But then sometimes it was really in the field, and I I don't know. It just was, it became a career that was interesting, and I loved the interesting part of it. But something inside of me was like, no, I need to do something more public. Like, I just, I knew deep down, like, I've, I've always felt this from a really young age, that I needed to have a great impact on this world. Like, I just always knew I was going to. I just sort of, like, and I've told my, I remember, like, telling my sister that and telling people that over my the course of my life. I'm like, there will be something that I can help 
with. Not that I'm not, and it, for me, it doesn't um, manifest in a way that it's me in the public eye. Yeah. I just feel like I will be able to help someone who's in the public get to, to do big, and that'll be my impact, or or maybe it is me. I don't know, but for me, it doesn't feel like it's going to be me. It's more like I'll just facilitate it. Oh, that's interesting. And so you're doing this job mm-hmm. as contract work. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, uh... Yeah, is this really what I should be doing? Yeah. And then how did you make the decision? And then what did you move to next? And how did you make that decision? So I was at this um, mining convention, uh, well, resource-based convention in Toronto called PDAC, um, and uh, which is Prospectors and Developers of Canada. It's a huge, huge conference. It's actually on right now. And um, it's they take up like every hotel room and there's thousands. Oh, I've heard all the stories about that conference. Oh, you have? Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay so there you go. <laughs> I have nothing sorted to say. <laughs> that to myself. No. Just avoid downtown Toronto right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like such a male-dominated industry. It's like a sea of men. Yeah. Anyway, if you're looking for a date. Um, <laughs> anyway, but so I, I was there, and it was I remember it was the same year that those Chilean miners had been rescued from um, that mine in Chile. Yeah. And so... I was standing and I was looking. They had the um, the drill device that they'd used to rescue them on display. And so I was standing there looking at it. And I remember just standing there and I'm like, I didn't want to go to any of my sessions. I just was like, then I started looking around and realizing the magnitude of the, the, the project that this would have been to put on. And I was like, this is an event planner's job. And I remember wanting to be an event planner early on in my life. But thinking that you had to just plan weddings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then that was of no interest to me. And so I avoided it. But then I was, at that very moment, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, this is an event planner, too. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know why I hadn't thought of that, but I just hadn't until <clears throat> that moment. And then that was in, like, February of tw- uh, 2009. And by, by um, uh, September, I was enrolled to study event management at Niagara College. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So you took action right away. Oh, immediately. Yeah, I knew. And then when you got into the program, as you're going through it, you're like, yes, this is where mm-hmm. I should be. 100%. And I got in two days after the start of class, like because I, I enrolled very late. And so I didn't get accepted. It's a pretty uh, um, hard program to get into. And because I hadn't enrolled until after the you know, the, the, deadlines. the deadline. So I was on a wait list and they called me two days after the events, the, the program started. So I'd already sort of put it to bed that I wasn't going to be taking it at the, that time. And they called me and I freaked out. I was so happy. And so, yeah, I started right away and, and it was, it was a great program. It was really hard. Um, but also just such a great experience. But it's interesting because you were, even though you had thought, oh, I'm not going to get in. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten anything back. The minute they called you, you were open to the opportunity. Oh, like you yeah. opened up accepting the opportunity and moving like forward had, with it. I felt like I'd won the lottery. Like I felt that kind of excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Not because it was, and when I say win the lottery, I just meant like, I just felt like someone had just given me this massive gift. That's amazing. Yeah. I even said that to my mom right then and there. <laughs> and it, you know, it's interesting because some people would have said no. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I was you the know. third on the list. So I guess the other two people. Had. <laughs> <laughs> like I guess they said no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So then you go through the program, mm-hmm. and then did you work for other event planning companies, or yeah, did you just I start worked, out well, on your own? Co- yeah, I actually worked for the college, 
they hired me right away. Well, actually not quite. I worked for the Niagara Parks Commission. I ran, I helped run the Niagara Falls New Year's Eve show. And then in this, and then throughout that spring and summer, it was 20, it was 20, it was 2011 or 12. I can't even remember that. My timelines are all mixed up right now, but it was the year of, um, they were relaunching all the war of 1812 by, it was like the 200th anniversary. So it must've been 2012. And so I started to, um, to, to work on those things. I ran the Coca-Cola concert series there. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then the college called me in the summer and offered me a job, a contract job for uh, maternity leave. And so I helped run orientation and then a number of their like on-campus recruitment events. Yeah. And um, I did that for a couple of years. And then I took a sales job to try and learn sales. That was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sales is not my forte either. It's not mine. It's a yeah. definite skill set. My sister's a salesperson. Yes. She's amazing. Yeah. Like, I, amazing. I think I have it sometimes because I haven't been able to sell things. But it's, yeah, you really have to love and believe in what you're selling. That's yeah. the key, I think. So um, so I did that for a little bit. and then um, And then I just started out. In 2015, I, st- I launched Leverage Events. And so what made you decide to, okay, I'm just going to do it on my own. Why mm. not? Well, I got two people that came to me and offered me, like, two clients. I wasn't even looking for clients. They just came to me. And one was a significantly big client. They're still my clients, actually. Um, it's a cosmetics company from Atlanta. But the, the my friend's mom was one of their VPs. Yeah. So... She came to me and offered me a role, and I was eager to jump at it because it involved a lot of travel, and I was excited about that. So that was my first one. And then this um, nightclub in, in Mississauga offered me a job as, or offered me a, a, some work. And so I started working for both of them at the same time. And then I did that for a year. And then, I, and then all of a sudden, I was like, I have to do an event of my own. That's, you know, I'm in a, I'm a planner. Like I can do this. I've had the experience now. I'm so smart. (laughs) (laughs) What I would say to myself again. (laughs) Anyway, so foolish, but anyway, (laughs) so then I, um, I just, uh, it was like Super Bowl Sunday of 2016. Yeah. And, um, I was like, I'm going to bring Gary V to Canada. Like, that's just what you thought. Yeah. Were you following him on social media and you loved what he was yeah. doing? Or? Yeah. Okay. I was an early follower of his. Yeah. And um, growing up in a wine region, you kind of just knew. Oh, did you follow him when he was doing the wine thing? Yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I don't know him from when he did that. Mm-hmm. I know him from after the wine. Mm-hmm. But he talks about yeah. the wine. What was it? The wine was it wine, wine library. Wine library. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I mean, I wasn't like a... A daily follower of it but I knew I'd seen it yeah and I'd watched it a few times and and then I and then and then I had started following him in his kind of current role and well and it makes sense you know I'm just putting this all together right now because you're in the wine region so yeah. bringing Gary V from the wine library mm-hmm. oh this all connects now yeah that's why I wanted to bring him here because I was like because I, I really wanted to showcase Ni- the Niagara region as a place of commerce because yeah. I was like, man, people don't realize how great it is here. There's like a um, a tax-free zone. There's a um, we're close to the border. There's like a lot of like benefits. It's like less expensive to live and have a business here, but you can still do the same things as you can do in downtown Toronto. But, yeah. And you're still close enough to Toronto and Buffalo and and and. And so I was like, I just need to explain this to people and show them. <laughs> 
I'll lead them the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so idealistic. And I was like, and Gary's the perfect guy. He's the business guy and he's the wine guy. So I was like, let's bring him here. And of course, he'll just want to come here. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did you make that happen? I just... Because I would imagine it wouldn't have been easy. It was... Well, it, I didn't know it wasn't easy. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's better when you don't know. <laughs> well, it's really funny because I just went through the process with his agent and filled out all the forms and, and then they said yes. And, and then I did the same thing with Casey Neistat. And I remember Casey saying to me, he's like, Shauna, he's like, your event's great and everything, but he's like, how did you get Gary and I here together? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, it's not easy. He's like, we both get so many requests. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't know it was hard. And he laughed at me and he's like, that's the best answer. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> I was like, I just filled out the forms. Like I, I just really did. And then, and then, um, I remember Gary's, um, team came to me last year they asked me the same question they're like how did you get Gary in the first year you know he's like because we have like major companies yeah huge budgets and huge events that can't that have been trying to book him for like 10 years I mean 10 but like a lot of years and I was like I don't know I just filled out the forms and they were like what and I'm like yeah I just didn't I'm like I like you all keep telling me that it's hard but I didn't know it was hard yeah and I just did it and they were like that. Like, like, so do you think, like, was there something on the application form that was some sort of story you shared? I did. I, objective I, was I tend that... to, like, write in a way that helps. I, I, I mean, I do, like, when I, because you have to write a, like, reason why you want them and what you're trying to do. And I tend to, like, write passionately. So I think that, I, I was like, I got to find that form. In fact, this is yes, a good reminder. Yes, you do. I know. I keep forgetting to go look it up because uh, I have to find, I'll, I'll do that. Because it's, I think it's worthwhile looking back at whatever I wrote. Because I can't remember. Yeah, I think it is too. And it might be something you share at the next. Yeah, Hasten actually, Hustle, you know what? Right? I will do that. I need yeah. to share that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then I just ended up getting them, and I, yeah. So it was, it was definitely, um, I my the and I wanted, to, I also at the same time wanted to book Grant Cardone. I kind of I liked what he was doing at the time. And, um, so I was like, I'm going to get Grant Cardone and Gary Vaynerchuk and that's going to be it. And I'm going to call it the Grant and Gary show and it's going to be, you know, and so I kind of designed it specifically for them. Now we didn't end up booking Grant. It just didn't work out with his schedule or something. I forget. Um, so that's fine. I had Gary and then I booked Casey and, and then Manjeet and some of the others as well. So how did you come up with Haste and Hustle? Cause it's always been called Haste and Hustle, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, there's no real fancy story. I I liked the word hustle because at the time that was sort of the big word and it still kind of is, but even more I know, so but then. some people now are like, oh, you shouldn't hustle. You should work smarter. I and know. it's like, you still have to hustle. Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> I know. I don't have a negative connotation to it. And I think yeah. that's me. I just don't. I don't. I, I associate. I basically just associate hustle to hard work. And, I do too. And, and I associate it to working smart. Like, yes. Being a hustler means you have to like figure out the smart ways to do things. That's right. So I don't associate it negatively. But then, so I was driving along the road and I was like, how do I, I'm like, I can't call it hustle. Like I have to think of a better name. And I love alliteration. So I was like just driving and I'm like, haste and hustle. And I just like said it to myself and I'm like, that sounds nice. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. And I was like, that's what we're going to call it. And then. Um, I phoned my, um, the woman I was working with, um, at the time who's in uh, my marketing agency and I said it to her and she's like, I love it. I'm like, all right, that's what it's called. And I went home and bought the domain. 
<laughs> no way. Yeah, it was like, available. Yeah, well. So there you go. Wow. It was not, yeah, like no real, like I, I wish I had a really cool story, but I don't. <laughs> so do you find, um, do you find that you're working for corporate clients, you're also producing your own event. I'm sure there's different challenges with each. Mm-hmm. From your perspective and from your skill set, which is easier? Or are any of them easier? <laughs> um, the corporate clients is definitely easier. I, I really love that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, I mean, the trick there is um, communicating really well, staying, you know, explaining expectations and setting things straight, which sometimes I fail at. So I'm learning a little bit about that. But I would say it's just easier because, I mean, you don't have to worry about the sale of tickets. Right. And that's literally, as a producer, that is where it's the hardest part of Like, I can plan these events with my t- hands tied but tie my, behind my back. How do you get but, the people there? But how do you get the people there? Yeah. And that's, that's really the challenge. I would say we're f- constantly figuring it out. And even when you think you figured it out, it changes. Yeah. So... Like, even just right now, like, we're dealing with the coronavirus. Yes. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, are people going to travel to us? Are we going to, you know, like, do we have to just focus on our local market? You know, looking at all those things. And then even for Listen In, like, how do we, you know, so, like, just when you think you've got the whole process figured out, you know, you get these, like, external forces, you know, acting against you that you have to figure out yeah I listen I totally felt like that with Orange Fish because I launched that business 2006 and then 2008 the economy was horrible yeah yeah and then oh Indigo turned into a gift store oh and then Amazon came along and it's like Um, there's nothing you can do to control those things yeah 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 um so it's true like there are external factors that impact your business for sure and I think you know you just have to be willing to um keep your eyes open to them yeah and like don't like I I mean it's funny because my insurance agent phoned me and she was like okay we have to figure this out and you know what I mean and I was like okay like I'm not gonna like sit here and get super stressed and worried about stuff I'm just gonna figure out how to make this plan work yeah you know what I mean if something terrible happens and we have to you know god forbid cancel then that's that that's what's gonna happen I'm not you know but that's just, I can't do anything about it. There's a pandemic, we're going to have to work with it. Or there's a, you know, a crash of the stock market and you're in banking, you're going to have to deal with it. You have to figure out how to work solutions as opposed to just getting frenzied over the panic. Yeah. And I think if you can get just super focused on how to fix it and not let yourself just, you know, flail out of control... Well, but that's probably part of the big thing about being a great event planner too, though, because Mm -hmm. let's be honest, anytime you're doing an event, there's probably something that doesn't go exactly the way you want it to. And so it's really how you deal with it. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, what's the challenge? What are some solutions? What should we do? Yeah. I I literally never get panicked. Yeah. I mean, it's very rare. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Because I just, I mean, yes, I do, I guess, but I, I... but on the day of, no, not really though. I just, I'm like, okay, we'll just fix everything. Like it's, it's really for me. I'm like, I always call myself the problem solver. Like that's, that's what I feel like my job is sometimes. Oh, 100%. So you're just like, okay, we just have to solve it. Like nothing. It's always been my hundred percent belief that everything is 
just going to be, is some, is, I think Marie Forello says it, everything is figureoutable. Yes. I, yeah. when, she, when she wrote that, I think that's a book or one of her sayings or something, and I saw it, and I was like, yeah, I've lived and breathed that sentiment it's for years. It's true. It's yeah. true. And you just, I think people just get so like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and they're like head spinning, and oh, this is a tragedy, you know, like we, we don't have enough cans of pop for the number of people we have. Well... Send a volunteer biter, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not dealing with life and death. And it's funny, one of my really close friends, she's um, a really high-level executive at a at a hospital system, and she runs a lot of hospitals. And, you know, we go walking a lot, and she'll say to me, she's like, Shauna, in my job, when things go bad, people die. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about that, I'm like, yeah. Like, when, when things go wrong at my events, you know, people get frustrated or, you know, maybe they don't get their exact seat or they... You know, they have poor line of sight to the stage or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's never life or death, that's for sure. Yeah. So. It's funny because I remember the first few years, um, like prior to running Orange Fish, I was a consultant. Mm-hmm. So I love going into organizations, helping them figure out their strategy, whatever. But ultimately, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. People will get so worked up and you're like, we're not saving lives here. Yeah. You know, it's just a decision that needs to be made. Yeah. Let's make the decision. Exactly. And then even with Orange Fish, I'm like, you know, someone doesn't get their product on time. It's like, is it really that big of a deal? I know. Is it really yeah. in the big picture? Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, I started doing um, gratitude practice. Yeah. So every morning I wake up and I write one thing I'm grateful for and one thing I really want. And the good thing about that is it's really cut down on the noise. Yeah. And it really helps you become more laser focused on what is important and what's not 100%. important. I've... And, you know, as a business owner, mm-hmm. of course you want to deliver yeah. Everything on time. A hundred percent. But in a situation where you're own an e-commerce business and you're relying on a partner to deliver it, you have no control over your partner. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's the same thing in your business too, I'm sure. Like there's probably certain suppliers or whatever that you work with where mm-hmm. something's expected, but you don't have any control over it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. We, w- last year actually, we had um, ordered hats for everybody and they got held up at the border and we couldn't do anything about it. Just is what it is yeah and you know it was unfortunate but we they were they were hats that were branded for one of our sponsors so we shipped them back to our sponsor and they used them for other events so you know again no big deal so what someone didn't get a toque yeah like (laughs) you know the sky is not falling yeah that's right i think i just i tend to have like a really like like solid perspective on that stuff and you know and it's not always. I certainly have moments where I like get. I can spin. So, can you think of one of those moments, like one of those moments where you're, you, it happened. Yeah. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, I can't believe. I did yeah. That. Well, yeah. I mean, even last year, I remember being like a couple of months out from the event, and we weren't selling tickets, and I just, I was like freaking out. I was like, what is going on? You know, and um, yeah, I spun completely. I was like in the taxi crying, you know, like, and then I lost my, and it was like one of those things where everything just kind of kept going wrong. Like my debit card wouldn't work. And then my, I lost my credit card. Like I couldn't get on the train. I had no money. So I had to ride it and hope that I wouldn't get caught. And then (laughs) like, just like all these things. And I was like, what is going on here? You know? And, uh, so then, and, but my, I had phone, but I phoned my friend and, um, I said, I'm freaking out. Like I, like she could hear it. Like I was freaking out. And so I went to her house. She like called our whole mastermind group together. She called them as I was coming to her house on the train and she lives in Ajax. 
And uh, by the time I got there, they were there. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, no, they came the next morning. That was what it was. She called them and arranged for them to come the next morning, and I was going to stay overnight. So 9 a.m., they were all there, the ones that were local anyway. And uh, we, like, set a plan in action like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And we started selling tickets so fast from that moment. I think we sold something like 250 tickets by the end of that day. That's amazing. And it was, it was the most interesting and wonderful experience because it made me see like how communal entrepreneurs can be with one another. Like yeah. even though none of these people were in my business at all. I'm totally getting goosebumps because I feel like it's the power of relationships. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's 100%. They yeah. just, they loved me, they wanted to help me, yeah. and they did. And, you know, and and I would 100% do the same for them, and have actually done so. Yeah. But it's just, you know, when you, when you have a need, and people rally and, and come help you, it's like, there's a community. But yeah. a big part of that, I think, is asking. Yeah, yeah. And right. see, I didn't, though, I didn't even do it, my friend did it. And uh, she was amazing. And then I realized, yeah, it's just about the ask. Yeah. And um, and it's it's something that you don't see in a corporate setting. You know, it, it's very much the opposite. Yeah, you it's, don't see it in a corporate setting, but you also sometimes don't see it with entrepreneurs. In particular, I have found with female entrepreneurs, and part of it is I think as females, we're conditioned to be nurturing, taking care of everybody else, mm-hmm. and not being used to asking for help, yeah, it's, you know, it's and hard. almost sometimes thinking that asking for help is a sign of weakness yep. or that things are going wrong. hundred percent. But when you do ask for help, it's so much more powerful. I know. And, and the reality is, is that we all need help yeah. at times, you know, sometimes we're in great positions to help others Yeah, and that's awesome. And sometimes we just need a hand Yeah, and you know, it was so for me, it just really taught me that lesson of, it, it it reminded me that I'm so, so lucky to have such great people in my life. Yeah. And um, and I treasure that all the time. And then, but it also reminded me the value of just saying, you know, admitting when you need help. Yeah. yeah. It's so important. Yeah. So important. So, yeah, that was one time. There's plenty, I'm sure. But. And it's interesting, too, because sometimes when you're, like, networking and connecting with a lot of people, you can kind of tell how evolved they are by whether they're willing to ask for help Mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, I've gone to, um, the collective many times Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's the round table where everyone presents a challenge and everyone brainstorms like answers to whatever the business challenge is. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time I was there and at my table of like eight women, three of them are like, yeah, I don't have a challenge. I don't have a challenge. And I'm like, you're, you're running a business. Mm-hmm. You don't have a single challenge. That's weird. And like for me, I get it. Like part of it might not be feeling comfortable to share what the challenge mm-hmm. is, yeah. right? But it's like you have all these other women here who can totally help you. Mm-hmm. So it's like how do you peel back yeah. the layers yeah. and put yourself out there so you can receive the help? I know, I know. Right? And ultimately you do so much better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, then it puts you in a great position to, you know, when you've done well, to then go and help those people. Yes. You know? Yeah. So I love that. You know, I love being able to turn around and say, okay, like now I can help you. Yeah. 
yeah, it's funny. Like imagine if people were more open to asking for help and not just female entrepreneurs, anyone in general. Yeah. Right. Oh my goodness. Like, and and I understand it. Like I, I'm the same way. Like I still even struggle with asking, yeah. you know, and I'm just starting to really, you know, understand how valuable it can be. And also that it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. Yeah. Because if you can, you know, work in a way that, you know, you're, you're getting help, then you're giving help. And it's, it, it's part of being a community. Like yeah. we're, we're, I think in, you know, in the world we're we're called to bear each other's burdens at times. Right. And I think if we can understand that it helps us to a empathize better because we can see the struggles that others are going through. It'll also make us feel better because when we're going through those struggles, we'll know that other people are, yeah. which strengthens us. So there's a lot of value just outside of like the actual help you're getting or giving, right? So I think it's definitely something that people should, you know, be careful about. Like you don't want to be like constantly like, help me, help me. You know, you don't want to yeah. be like a victim situation. But when you have a real need and you don't have an immediate solution or you're struggling with finding the solution or finding a way out, then I think it's very wise to then like look at your network and say, you know what, Janet can help me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> you know? I was telling you last night, I was helping one of my friends who has an intake process mm-hmm. and she was struggling with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why don't I just come over and we'll map it out. Yeah. And she goes, are you sure? Like, I don't want to waste your time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if this is going to help you and it's going to alleviate your stress, I have no problem. Yeah. Right. And so we did it. And so we ended up like making her intake process way shorter Yeah. because before there was too much in it. Yeah. But sometimes you just need like an extra set of eyes Mm -hmm. to say, well, do you really need that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's really nice. You know, like if you look at every single person in your network as, you know, with dollar signs in your eyes, you're going to struggle. Yes. Yes. Whereas if you can just sort of understand on a human level that sometimes someone's going to need help and they're not going to pay you and that, like, it's not going to be a situation where it's like, you know, I'm going to charge for this. You're just helping them to help them. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of a good karma in that and just, you know, value beyond. Yeah. That's right. And even if there's not, you help somebody like you should feel good about that. Yeah. That's (laughs) right. That's right. uh, You know, I, I think sometimes we spend, you know, I was always under the impression that if you ask for someone for help, you know, from some, from something that they did is their career. Like you would never go to a massage therapist and say, Oh, can I have a free massage? Yeah. (laughs) But you know, my friend's a massage therapist. And when I had my son, she came and massaged me for free because she wanted to just help me and she wasn't like okay here's your bill like yeah you do things sometimes just because you help you want to just be a good person yeah that's right and you know at the end of the day if someone can't help you or they want to be paid or they want there to be some kind of more formal process then maybe they're either they're not the right person to help or that's okay yeah that's all right you just all right well thank you i just can't (laughs) yeah it's not my thing yeah Um, so in your career to date, Mm -hmm. besides the mastermind help, is there anyone else you think has helped you significantly or someone who you have helped? Um, either or I have like a list. (laughs) Do you? Oh man. Like I feel, yeah, I I feel like every person who's ever bought a ticket has helped me. Like, I, I I mean, maybe that's a bit like, uh, you know. No, but, but it's true. It's I, true. I, I, I feel 
there's, you know, there's been some key people, I guess, who have been instrumental. But I think there's, in my life, I, I, every morning when I do my gratitude, it's literally like a gratitude for people. Like every, I'm like, I'm most grateful for all these different people because they've all, you know, brought different things into my business or my life that have been so valuable. So I could go on and on a list of tons of people. I mean, my mom is probably my biggest yeah. supporter um, and my sister. And that's but, the same with me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had to like name the ones that are the most important. Yeah. But, and, and even my son who, you know, helps me forge forward sometimes. But I mean, there's just so many people that have attended my events that have then, you know, reached out to me and offered to help. Like the guy who does my Instagram, I don't know if you've ever looked at it, but it's like this like massive piece of artwork and we get so many calls about it because it's so interesting. And the guy who does it just came to my first event. I guess he's like told me over and over and over how it changed his life. He just had some like reckoning there, which is amazing. And um, he just wants to be of service to me because he's so grateful for me putting on the event. Wow. So he now does my Instagram and has done so for two years. And it's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, that's one example of somebody who's just like leaned into my business and and me as a human. Um, But that says something about you too. Like how you connect with people. mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean... I, I I sometimes feel like I, I really struggle to connect with people I because I get so many connections. And I'm like, and I think because I'm such a perfectionist around that sometimes, I want to I wanna be able to connect with every single person yeah. in a meaningful way. Like, let's sit down and have dinner together. and But it's not realistic. Like, I have yeah. way too many people. And so then I feel like I've failed if I haven't done that. <laughs> we haven't broken bread together. Then, yeah. then I have failed you as a, as a We had an apple. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and tea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's so in, in when we're talking about, like, sitting down with people and connecting with them, you really, like, you go to great lengths, really, to get to know your speakers before they actually come. Mm-hmm. You were telling me that when we were talking the last time, and I was like, what? Yeah. So do you want to explain a little bit about that process and kind of why you do that? Yeah, I mean, I I go to a lot of events, and I've been to a lot of events. And you can tell when speakers have just been, like, hired ad hoc to be on the stage because they're tagline in their LinkedIn profile matches the events title, but they're terrible at delivery. They're trying to sell you something. They have questionable reputations or whatever. Like you just, sometimes you can see that. Yeah. And I was like, I don't ever want that to happen. So I have a model where I always choose our keynotes first, the the main keynote. And if that person is usually someone famous as we have Richard Branson this year, Um, And then I sit down and I look at, okay, what do I want my audience to take away? And I think about the people I know in those areas. And then I start to just really go to them and, and interview them or talk to them or, or there are people I already know. I mean, I do have such a huge network. It doesn't, it's actually not that hard for me. Um, And then I look at their speaking talks, like if I can find stuff online and I just kind of like figure it out and so do you have a dream list? Like, do you have a list of people that you would love to get for the event? Oh. And do you have them ranked in order? Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to know who's near the top of the list. 
Oh, yeah. Like, the top, I think, would be, like, Michelle Obama. Oh, yeah. She would be amazing. You know what's really funny? The two, the, you know, um, the runner-up to, the two runner-ups to uh, Richard Branson this year were um, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. No way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had taken a look at... um, Big name people who were in the spotlight. That's we always look for people who will attract an audience, of yeah. course, right? And and we look, thought, okay, you know, basketball players are really becoming the sort of the icons. So let's look at the two biggest icons, and and that are running businesses because they have to be entrepreneurs, yeah. right? And so I so I guess with Michelle Obama, that's where it would be like a little bit hard because she's not necessarily an entrepreneur. Um, but you can kind of make a play about it. Anyway, but, you know, with um, LeBron and Kobe, and we also looked at Kevin Durant. And oh, we, interesting. And, and yeah, so yeah. we, and I didn't know these people. Like, I didn't even, I don't know anything about basketball. <laughs> okay? So, I don't even know the rules. I <laughs> so, here I am, and I come home one day, and I said, no, I think, to my son, I said, okay, we're, we're looking at, I've been recommended that I look at these three basketball players as speakers for my event, and um, and can you tell me about them? I'm like this guy named LeBron James, this guy named Kobe Bryant, and this guy named Kevin Durant. So then I'm like, what teams do they play for? Who are they? Like anyway, so he told me, and then and then I obviously started researching them, and then following them, and and becoming so impressed by them. Yeah. Um, and and actually starting to follow basketball a little bit, and then I've looked at other. Um, business leaders too who are like actors who are in business and such and such so that was you know the, that's a bit of a dream to get someone like that like yeah. obviously we wouldn't um, get Kobe Bryant anymore because he's not with us yeah but I know that's so sad I know so sad um, but you know we'd still look at someone like LeBron James even Shaquille O'Neal would be interesting now so it's just interesting and and um, Alex Rodriguez, we've looked at. Do you at. think, so this is going to be an um, interesting question, I'm sure. Do you think having a female keynote speaker would have a big enough draw? I I know. I Yeah, good question. I've thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. Because yeah. that's what I would ultimately love. Sarah Blakely is one of my heroes. That's who I want to see. Oh, really? I'm hoping she goes to Lewis's event. Okay. I sent him a note about it. Okay, and well. he gave me a thumbs up, so I don't know. Lewis House? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, yeah her, you know, her she's and her, her husband Jesse. I just hired Jesse. What? Yeah, you're kidding. Yeah, not for his hustle for another rent. I'll tell you. No after. way. Yeah. I love yeah. him. I follow him on Instagram. I follow them both on Instagram. I love them both. Those are like couple goals. Like, Me? if I'm gonna date someone, yes. Yeah, like it's like you want to go find out where they. I, I know. Yeah, where are your friends? Yeah, like, do you I have know. friends? Yeah, well, they're just like you. <laughs> yeah. Can we clone you? Do you mind? <laughs> Can I just have a swab of your DNA? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. They're great. They seem like great people too, right? Yeah. Like I, I just, I love how fun they are. Yes. Like, and they make fun of each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? They're self-deprecating, but like <laughs> real and. Yeah. I don't know. I just. So have you seen how Sarah does like pancake? Yeah. Yeah. Saturdays. Yeah. Is Saturday Sundays, or Sunday? Yeah. Pancake Sundays. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So oh, yeah. I follow them religiously. So, yeah, I would love, I mean, so, yes, I think that a female keynote is definitely a possibility. 
the drop. I think people it's are just warming really, up to it. Oh, for sure. And I, I'm not against it. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Um, Serena Williams is one of my big. Um, oh, she'd be amazing too. Yeah, like I, I, I'm sort of listing off all these guys, but certainly I have a list of amazing women that I. Well, because you know what I noticed, like they're saying 2020 is kind of the year of the female entrepreneur, right? And um, what's interesting is like Tim Ferriss, Lewis Howes, these big podcasters, they used to only interview men. Yeah. Only interview men. And in the last two, maybe three years, Mm -hmm. you've seen them start to interview more females. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's starting, I think it's going to be a bigger trend where we're going to see more women who are rising to the top. Mm -hmm. Rightfully so. Yeah. You know? Oh, I hope so. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think that there's so many amazing female entrepreneurs out there. It's it's really, it's not for lack of talent. No. No. It's the draw, unfortunately. It is, yeah. It You know, I I wonder if part of it is, and actually, Lewis is really good because he, I can't remember who he was interviewing, but he made a comment at the beginning of the interview and he said, listen, guys, this woman is phenomenal. If you think you're not going to learn anything from her, you're wrong. I have learned so much from her. And it's great to have someone like him speaking out like that to Mm -hmm. say like, Yes, you can learn a lot from this person, yeah. you know? I know. I, I 100% agree. And I think, you know, some of the female entrepreneurs have some of the best stories. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So certainly that's one of our goals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's exciting. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, I'm going to the event this year. I can't wait. Okay. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. So would you say, like, if you were to look back at everything you've done, what has been the biggest challenge to date? myself (laughs) really yeah like you're a blocker for yourself or you sabotage yourself I stand in my own way a lot so I do like I ignore um things I shouldn't ignore and I don't always deal with the pressing things that need to and then they become bigger problems right I I just like sometimes hide from the problems a little yeah. bit I'm trying not to do that more but I yeah. definitely have it's better to hit them right on the head yep I've been trying to do that more yeah and um I definitely um struggle with really like continuous and clear communication and so I get just in my own head and doing my own thing and forgetting about oh yeah I should tell the person that or I should you know I just kind of get doing yeah and um so, yeah, I would say I am my biggest advocate and obstacle. Like, obstacle, yeah. So are you, just out of curiosity, are you, would you consider yourself more of an introvert or an extrovert? An introvert. An introvert. But I have extrovert <clears throat> qualities. Like, I yeah. love going and chatting with people. But, like, if you were to put me in a room with a bunch of people that I don't know, I will stand in the corner and not talk to anybody. Oh, really? Yeah, because I don't, don't really know how to engage outside of that but if you put me into a conversation I will talk that person's ear off and we'll probably be friends for life but well I hope we are yeah (laughs) I I think I did that to you in the collective I know you if so yeah so if someone like you comes up to me we'll have a great conversation and I love that but I also get exhausted by big events so like a big event like even my own like the reason they often say that event planners are introverted and that's why they like planning the events because they have something to do, but they still get out with people. Oh, that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to necessarily be out, you know, flying mingling. on your own. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I definitely, I mean, I'm very social and I love talking to people and I love engaging and I love going and meeting people. But I also really like leaving and just coming home. And I love, like I sit and work at my, like I work here on most days. Yeah. And I like just the quiet and I like just sitting at my computer and doing my thing, you know, and like I do and letting my cats roam around. And <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is good. Yeah. Is good. So. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. So the question's quick. Mm-hmm. Your answer can be as long or as short as you like. Okay. Okay. Um, so is there one thing that your mom or dad always told you that sticks in your head? Always be kind. Yeah. And that there was never a reason to be mean. So they, they always followed it up with that. And this is how many years ago. And now this is a message still in 2020. Oh yeah. And, and they exemplified it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the one thing you cannot live without? Mm, My son. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) This was sweet. Um, So you weren't into sports. You told me that because of uh, you don't know anything about basketball. Or do you you have a sport that you do like? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like sports. Which sport do you like? Um, Well, I love riding. I love golf. I like tennis. I was a rower. Oh, okay. Yep. So do you watch any sports on on TV? Mm, Tennis. Tennis? Yeah. And Serena, I'm guessing? Yeah. Yeah. Do you watch any of the guys too? Oh, yeah. I love all of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, And let's see. This is the final question. Are you ready for it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I steal it from Tim Ferriss because I love it so much. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's if you had a billboard and you could write any message on it, what would the message say? Oh, boy. You are loved. I think. Yeah. (laughs) Because I think everyone is, and they just don't know it. Yeah. Or you have value, or you're beautiful, or something. Like, something to remind everybody. So yeah. I think I think everyone is driving around in this world just forgetting. Is that what you mean? Like, just yeah. say others? Like, yeah. that's the question? Yeah. 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 I just, I really just wish everyone could see themselves the way others see them, you know? Yeah, and I think... I think they'd be nicer. I think everyone would be nicer to each other. Yeah. Well, and even nicer to themselves. Uh, yeah. Right. Like, I know. Um, someone was talking about how, like, especially as female entrepreneurs, we tend to have a lot of like negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what are the things that you say to yourself? And I think it was Marissa Peer. I don't know if you know her or not, but she's a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, but she's like, okay, so take those things that you say to yourself. Would you say those things to your friend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, and it's like if you're not going to say those things to your friend, why are they saying them to I yourself? I know we're so hard like, on ourselves. So not kind. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm the queen of that. Yeah. And I, I have to stop myself a lot. I've, I've, I'm definitely better at it. I have a really good coach right now who's just like, you know, driving that out of me, which is great. But it is, it's, it's definitely something that I've struggled with always. Well, and it's something that you have to work on. Yeah. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't come naturally Mm -hmm. if you want to improve it and you want it to get better. Yep, exactly. So So, that's okay. Um, So I should ask you one more question Mm -hmm. quickly. I I should have asked this earlier. Mm -hmm. Out of all the people that you've ever seen speak, whether it's your event or some other event, who did you walk away from and think, wow, that was phenomenal? 
Oh, man. Barack Obama, for sure. Did you see him in Toronto? No, in Halifax. Okay. Blew my mind. Um, and... Yeah, that would probably be the top of the list for sure. Um, I haven't seen Sarah Blakely speak in person, but I've heard, like, I've watched a lot of her talks. Yeah. And she rocks my world. I, I love what she says. Yeah. I find it resonates on every level of my being. Like, she just, everything she says is, like, exactly right to me. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Because she's just very authentic. Yeah. Right? Very, very real. And she gets it. Like, I feel like she truly understands, not just aspirationally, but tactically. Yeah. And so when you can when you can find a speaker who can speak to your soul and your passions and your aspirations, but also provide very tactical resources, well, that's the winning combo right there. And yeah. she is that and more. Yeah. No, she's amazing. And then the other one would be Jim Quick. Do you know him? No. Who is that? Oh, my goodness. He's like a memory... And learning expert. Did he just do something on their Instagram with him? On ours? No, on uh, Sarah Blakely and Jesse Itzler's Instagram. He... They did something with a memory guy. I can't remember. Oh, no, no. Oh, not, no that not that guy. guy? Yeah, okay. I, I saw that, but okay. it, wasn't, um, it wasn't him. But he was incredible. I've seen him speak twice. And I've met him, too. He's just... He works with, like, tons of celebrities. Like, he lives in Hollywood or Beverly Hills or something. And... Um, Honestly, just an incredible speaker. Oh, really? Yeah. I have to look him up then, yeah. for sure. And and his programs are great. I've, I've definitely seen um, some real value in his programs. So, yeah, he was a great speaker. Oh, good. So, um, I'm very aware of your time. I appreciate you taking the time to meet with me. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you coming all the way This was so great. G-Town here. Yeah, you know, on a Saturday. Why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do. Um, so, people want to follow you or get in touch with you what's where's the best place for them to find you um well linkedin shauna arnold and then um i'm shauna claire one on instagram i think and okay. shauna claire on twitter just look me up okay, <laughs> okay perfect yeah and, and people should also probably look up the haste and hustle event as of course well, yeah. Right? yeah yeah that would be great <laughs> perfect well thank you so much thanks for having me this was so much fun <laughs>